and is only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain scenes or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language, including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Tonight we talk about South Carolina and their Confederate flags. Also, not just brown people kill white people in America. And also we have a conversation with Russell Glasser. We'll be talking about about godless parenting, feminism, gaming, and skepticism. We'll also introduce a new segment called the Mashup Roundtable. And uh, have fun with the show. Thanks, everybody. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff, like, uh, touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. Also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. <laughs> I, I hope I'm not having like, a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always becomes supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates him too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. You're done. You're done. Obama! Well, welcome to the Godless Revolution. I'm Dan Ellis. Meowt is here as well. (laughs) And I'm Ryan Duffy. And we've and got. I'm Russell Glasser. <laughs> yes. Yay. Uh, atheist experience and nonprofits fame. Thank you very yes. much for joining us uh, tonight. Fame, so to speak. Right. Such as it is. <laughs> and Iron Chariots Wiki as well. Yes. Yeah, you guys have all kinds uh, of really cool stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I moved to Austin sometime around 2000, and they already had, like, one of the only atheist TV shows running that I'd ever seen. And uh, I got involved with it a few months after I uh, first found out about it. I, I think it was the first one I ever found as well, and I didn't find the atheist experience until 2007, maybe? Hmm. <laughs> but When did that all yeah. start? Do you know? Do you know what year that started? Uh, my understanding is that uh, the group was originally formed uh, sometime around 1997 when some lady uh, decided she needed to meet more atheists. So she put an ad in the paper back when newspapers were a thing <laughs> um, and said, let's all meet for bagels some Sunday morning. And it worked and it grew and uh, Austin has a pretty decent uh, uh, public access station. So uh, a, co- a year or two later, they set up a very, very rough call-in show. Uh, and it was still running strong. Uh, Jeff D was the co-host and a guy you've probably never heard of was the host at the time. And, <laughs> uh, so that, you know, I, I arrived in Austin and I was just looking for a social group because I was out of college, uh, and with my first wife and didn't know how to meet people very much. Uh, <laughs> so I just looked for local atheist groups and there this one was and there the TV show was. And, uh, I'm a natural ham. So of course I got involved. <laughs> Was that Joe Zemecki and and back back then? Is that what you're talking about? Those guys? Uh, okay, you well, Joe Zemecki was the first guy. It was Ray Blevins. Ray Blevins, yeah. So I, I 
I know it's it's probably weird, but you might be familiar with talking to people for the first time who already know a significant <laughs> number of things about you. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of got into the atheist experience with Ashley and Karen, you know, way back uh, or whatever, but, yeah. but not quite at the beginning. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also a big Jeff D fan, but I... I um, not to get too fanboy with you, but I, I, I think you're often over overlooked. I think as one of the co-hosts and hosts on the show. Oh, I think I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't mean to come come across as creepy as that may have sounded. But he does this all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> often overlooked. I assume you mean underrated. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, in the shadow of Matt, uh, uh, most especially. Uh, more recently. Um, yeah, I guess I feel that way sometimes. He's definitely the one who gets to jet set all over the place. I, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't mean that in a backhanded way. I just, I just meant that publicly <laughs> he's the outspoken voice of the atheist experience. But I think because of that, people don't, don't get into the other hosts and co-hosts of the show as much as they probably should to get, to get the benefit out of, out of, I mean, all of you guys are great. Thanks. Guys and gals. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've been doing a little bit more traveling uh, myself over the last year or two. I got to go to the American Atheist Convention back in April and do a talk on a TV presentation with Dave Silverman, which was pretty cool. Mm. Uh, and also, I just did a short talk in L.A., and I'm going to be doing the same talk in St. Louis in uh, in the beginning of August. Nice. So if anybody's interested in that, you should definitely come to the Gateway to Reason conference. Is that the Embrace Your Inner Skeptic talk, or is this a different one? Uh, no. that was, So I did a talk called Embrace Your Inner Skeptic last year, uh, and somebody there in St. Louis was setting up his first convention, and he grabbed me up to fill up the last speaker slot he had and that's coming up. Uh, my the talk that I've been giving now, uh, you know, I have a master's degree in software engineering and I work for a game company, which I regularly identify on my Twitch stream, but I won't talk about them on the air. For <laughs> show. Sure. Uh, but I really know software development and games. So uh, what my talk is about is, First of all, how the internet has contributed to the rise of atheism. And second of all, lessons you should learn from competitive gaming that will uh, make you a better debater. Uh, interesting. <clears throat> well, it's not any of the online chatter that you hear while you're playing the game, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not any of that. Those guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's really rough. I mean, you you see clips on on YouTube all the time of just some of the horrible, shitty things people say to each other oh, while yeah. they're playing games. And yeah. yeah, well, I'm a man, so I don't have it as bad as some when right. it comes to yeah. trash talk. <laughs> Speaking of that, actually, uh, at some of the topics we were hoping to maybe cover, you know, given the time constraints, but feminism. I think you're you're a really great voice for males, uh, male feminists. Um, oh, uh, thanks. I like to think so. Yeah. Uh, how many of your how? What proportion of your audience will now immediately hate me? Now? <laughs> well, we don't care. <laughs> oh, good. I like you guys. Yeah. Uh, um, Dan might feel a little differently. We've 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 been talking about feminism recently. He's been a little more touchy than I have no, about it. But just... uh, uh, and then skepticism also, which you're you're also very good at. Um, 
And, uh, and there's a couple other random things maybe here and there if, if, if we have time, but, um, you also, you feel free to let us know, you know, what your constraints are as well. Um, I don't feel particularly constrained, although uh, I might feel differently once the, the hate mail starts rolling in. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Yeah, well, we're still waiting on hate mail uh, from our end. <laughs> you know, uh, I am an atheist and a gamer, and those are two different arenas, both of which uh, have had some problems with sexism. Mm, sure. And per- personally, you know, I've always uh, gotten along well with women. Uh, you know, I've got a sister and uh, that, that I grew up with. And, uh, you know, I, I guess when I was a kid, I, I tended to hang out with girls more than boys. Um, and... Of course, uh, the, the gaming industry has changed since I've been a little kid. Uh, it was traditionally very much the domain of very weird, nerdy social outcasts. And to some extent, you could say that it still is. <laughs> um, but I like the fact that my hobby has been mainstreamed as the years have gone by. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and. You know, I play all kinds of games. Like I, I play competitive games. Uh, you know, StarCraft, uh, uh, MOBAs, uh, and I also like casual games and platformers like Mario. And uh, I don't scorn the kind of people who prefer one set of games over another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to be, because I think that games are art regardless of what Roger Ebert has said. And I would like (laughs) to see games be as mainstream a form of entertainment as movies or TV are. And I think it's going in that direction, but I also think that uh, there are some groups of gamers who definitely push back against that trend and feel possessive of their hobby. And I don't think that's okay. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that just stifles innovation. I've, I've seen a couple clips of some really exciting innovations that are coming out, uh, hopefully in the near future where, uh, mm-hmm. they've got the 3D virtual reality, like you go into an arena with, with your goggles on and it's projecting the, the game layout. You know where you're you're actually Indeed. physically participating in the game versus oh, just yeah. sitting on your couch it's with like a controller. A VR playgrounds, so yeah. right? Yeah, yes, the uh, the Oculus Rift. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's one yeah. of the big ones. I know Google has one coming out, and so does Sony's got one coming out too. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't just the Oculus Rift. I think somebody had set up like a uh, like sort of a laser tag arena that you oh, can use okay. as. Uh, I thought that was what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, I, that I was. That yeah, that was what I was talking about. Uh, okay. Uh, my son actually had posted a video uh, of I can't remember the name of the company that was doing it, um, but yeah, they they basically set up an arena where you put on you put on so something similar to yeah, they, to they Oculus have Rift, a big but, cylindrical thing in the middle, and like they could create a tree and so now you could actually go up and, and touch yeah. what you would perceive to be a tree in, right. in oh, the world interesting or if you went up it, you know if you saw a control panel on the wall it would actually lead you up to like a raised bump in the wall and you would you know poke at it yeah yeah, yeah. it looked really really cool well i mean even just 
I'm, I'm more of a console guy because I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. that into it, but it, you can even tell just from like the early PlayStation polygon games to now when you play like The Last of Us or Far Cry 4 or something like how much it's changed over the last 10 or 15 years anyway. Uh, yeah. It, it certainly is artistic. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, we've come a long way from the days of Pong. <laughs> Yes. Well, yeah. Controlling static. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the first video game I ever noticed was uh, Pac-Man in a pizza place was really popular. And I told my mom to play it because I was too scared of the monsters to actually play it myself. (laughs) I just wanted to watch her. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah, Pac-Man was hugely popular. I mean, there, there was... There was kind of a whole little subculture that rose up around that for a little while. They had the oh, I know, I had like a whole big book about all the different Pac-Man merchandising. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I mean, there were there were songs about Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, Pac-Man yeah. fever. They had they had the TV show. They had a breakfast cereal. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> watched it, ate it. <laughs> <laughs> my life was Pac-Man when I was young. <laughs> Have I established my nerd cred enough yet, <laughs> or do I need to keep going? I think I think you're good. <laughs> yeah. some feminism cred i think you were trying to tie that in anyway well i i think i said mostly what i had to say oh, okay um i mean i think that uh that women being more involved in playing games and designing games of any sort uh, is only a positive thing. I think yeah. that more diversity leads to more innovation, like you were mentioning. Sure. Uh, and I think it's a shame that that uh, some corners of the internet feel the need to attack uh, people of different backgrounds and drive them away from from uh, what they think of as their territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so we wanted to talk to you, uh, a bit about godless parenting. Um, okay. you know, I, I have two, two children myself. Uh, my girlfriend Tracy has a daughter. Uh, all three of them are atheists. Uh, my daughter, How old? uh, my son will be 22 this year. My, oh, okay. So you, I don't have anything to teach you. <laughs> no, <laughs> you've already been through everything I have. Well, so how many kids have you got? Uh, one. Yeah, and how old? I have, uh, my son just turned 13. He's about to uh, go to his second year of Camp Quest this year. Go nice. Camp Quest. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yes, definitely. Uh, excuse me, third year of Camp yeah, Quest. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, I had two stepdaughters in my first marriage, um, but uh, you know, they're they're all grown up. Yeah. Fourth year. <laughs> Gosh, Dad, get it right. <laughs> Teenagers, huh? Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I have a fourteen-year-old son who's sort of conflicted at the moment. Um, oh, is that right? Well, uh, his mother and I have uh, are long split, but she, she's a, a fairly devout Mormon. Um, okay. And so there's, there's, were you an atheist when you got together with her? Uh, more or less. Yeah. And she kind of was too. Uh, I, I guess, I guess maybe more deistic, but, uh, she went one way and I was, I went the other, but, um, yeah. So he spends a lot of time with her and being indoctrinated and then spends weekends at my house and 
we try to talk rationally. So there's there's kind of this weird conflict he's having. But yeah, I guess he's about Ben's age. But yeah, uh, Ben just turned thirteen. Okay, so pretty close. Yeah, and my my kids, you know, when when my ex wife and I were together, um, you know, I I hadn't been a believer for several several years. You know, since I was very young, so. When we got married, so like fifty years, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so long ago. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, but but when we got married, I wasn't a believer, and she, you know, she she was, I mean, she she believed in a god. I, I think she's 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 more of a deist, but she would say she's a Christian. You know, she's she comes from a, a Catholic background, but has lived in Utah most of her life, so she knows quite a bit about Mormonism. Um, but you know, then her sister is now a Jehovah's Witness, kind of, sort of, pretty much. Um, mm, those are fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are Mormons. <laughs> yeah, Mormon Mormons are almost as much fun. I I actually I love Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons because they'll actually come to you to start an argument. Right. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we we always invite them in when they show up. <laughs> yeah that that happened to me exactly once. Yeah, and then uh-huh. I, mu- I must have been put on the not spiritually ready list or something. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the only ones I've had come to my house were the New Earth creationists that came on my house trying to sell me on the six thousand year old Earth. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They gave me some. I still have the literature at home. I have to bring it in someday. There. Wow. Uh, okay. Evidence. <laughs> well, Jehovah's Witnesses, I think, tend in that direction. Although nope. I guess not always. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Mormons definitely not. Yeah, well they they used to they used to stop by my house and drop off their torture porn with the watchtower oh, yes. pamphlets and stuff yes. and yeah. good old watchtower. But uh I I put up my little plaque that has the it's like the stick figure two people holding a bible with the with the like knot sign through it and I haven't I haven't had them drop off anything since I put that up. Uh, so, um well I think that uh, to the extent that the hosts have different roles on the atheist experience, my role, um, you know, I'm one of the few people who actually was never raised with religion. And mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've observed that people who are ex-religious people tend to be a lot more hostile to religion than I usually am. Right. Uh, so... I'm really interested in what everybody thinks. And that's why, like, I, I actually prefer to engage in conversation with, with folks who have come to the door. And, uh, I guess I have kind of a reputation on the show of being the more friendly laid back one yeah. or more, more of a sadist. <laughs> what? <laughs> How's that? Or more of a, more of a masochist, I guess. Oh, masochist. Masochist. Yeah. Yeah. Masochist. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I I I find it interesting though. Some sometimes I am a sub, uh, and don't take this wrong. I probably will say this in an awkward way uh, again, but <laughs> uh, surprised to agree with you because I think there are certain discussions and you can see them developing on the show. And I think I know where it's going to go, and I I can kind of anticipate what I think the argument will be. But then you take it in a different direction that is uh, sort of. I guess surprisingly refreshing. Something I hadn't thought of, which I which I appreciate, which is why I'm a fan. But then there's, I mean, like with Jeff and and Matt and yeah, I, I even like some of Schilling's stuff. Um, you know, I kind of know what to expect, for, and even Tracy, I kind of know what what's going to happen because we all came from more of a fundamentalist group. Well, Jeff didn't, but but you know, but he's a little he's a little 
tougher than you sometimes, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, uh, but I think you all have a, a, a variety of different attributes that you bring to the table that are all beneficial to the, to the, the, the yes. overall movement. But I think, you know, like, like Russell's saying, you, you grew up without having grown up in a religion. And I'm kind of the same way. I'm right. the, I'm the odd one out on the show that didn't grow up religious. I came from Wisconsin, no religion. I came to Utah and I said, well, what, what the fuck's LDS? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I've heard of a Mormon. Yeah, well, I didn't grow up completely without religion. Uh, my parents are both secular Jews and, okay. uh, you know, my mom's side of the family took it seriously enough that she wanted me to have a bar mitzvah just as a formality. But it w- I, I had a bar mitzvah with a really liberal, uh, rabbi. Uh, and I, I mean, you know, she was kind of a hippie new age female <laughs> rabbi. Right, right. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we did some pretty untraditional things at my bar mitzvah. And, uh, I think my great uncle said it was an abomination. So oh, wow. I got that going. Complete with ham sandwiches or. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm wondering what the non-traditional things were. Uh, I mean, nothing. I, I mean, nothing majorly non-traditional, but, um, I don't know. We, my dad hired a, uh, a local musical director and we all did a Gilbert and Sullivan play very badly. (laughs) Like, you know, me and my family, I had the main role in the Mikado. (laughs) Um, and the passage I read for my Torah portion was, uh, an eye for an eye, which is one of the more secular parts of the, Bible because it's about crime and punishment in a practical kind of way, a yeah. little more brutal than maybe we think of it nowadays. Right. But, uh, you know, they, there wasn't a lot of God stuff in my passage. And hmm. so, you know, I talked about the context of Hebrew laws and I talked about, you know, uh, it's been like 25 yeah. years. So, I don't know. <laughs> But I, I mean, you know, I talked about my ancestors and stuff, but I didn't mislead people into thinking I believed in any of that God stuff. Yeah. Well, we were we were talking about uh, Matt and his son, and and how his son Matt doesn't. Uh, show, sorry, no, oh, me. That, I, my, I'm Matt as well. Yeah. There, there yes. are a lot of us. <laughs> there are several Matt. There you are. Okay. Hey. <laughs> Uh, but we were For talking about you listening at home. <laughs> right. There's a camera that you're not seeing. Ryan, Ryan's moving the camera around so you can see Matt. Uh, we were talking to Matt about Matt and his son and <laughs> splitting time between Matt and, and, and his son's mom and, you know, my kids and, and them splitting time between me and their mother who was, you know, somewhat religious. Um, and I've, I've always, I've, I guess I've always tried to make sure that my kids knew not what to think, but how to think. You know, I've, I've always, I've always tried to let them know that this is what I believe and this is what I think, but don't just take my word for it. You know, if you have questions right. about something, go and, go and find it, those answers. And if you can't find them, you know, hopefully we can find them together. And I think a lot of that helped counteract any of the, any of the God bothering talk that they would have heard when they were away from me. You know, if, if they, I know that, uh, 
you know, their, their aunt has tried to get them to go to church a, a couple different times. I don't, I don't know if, if their mother ever tried to actually get them to go to church or anything. My son's here in the studio. He's shaking his head. No. <laughs> um, but I don't know. What, what do you do with your son to help kind of counteract well, some of that? I, I agree with that approach as far as teaching them how to think instead of what to think. Uh, but, uh, uh, with a caveat that I think a lot of atheist parents I've spoken to go way too far in the direction of, Oh, I certainly can't tell him, you know, th- what atheism is about because that'll just be indoctrinating him. And, uh, right. you know, I want to wait until he's old enough to understand it for himself and stuff like that. And I, I mean, you know, what What they probably don't realize is by the time your kid is old enough to understand God issues by himself, if you haven't presented at least a rudimentary understanding of what other people think, they will definitely have encountered Christianity yep. if they live in the United States. Oh, sure. Uh, and they, well, I mean, it depends on what part of the country you live in. We're here in yeah. Texas, but... Uh, yeah. You know, even before kindergarten, if your kid's in daycare, you're going to, uh, there's going to be kids talking about God and, you know, and if your kid's reaction is, what's God? Those kids are going to go back and talk to their parents and then come back and say, well, my mom told me you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so then you're going to have to deal with this baggage anyway for the first time. And your first discussion about God is going to be damage control. Right. Yeah. Um, so for my part, like when Ben was old enough to start grasping complicated stories. Uh, like, you know, I started re- reading him chapter books probably when he was around three. I think we started with Charlotte's Web and, uh, Benicula was always one of my favorites. The story of the vampire bunny. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> um, and after I had, you know, and we watched cartoons and after I had introduced him to a few fictional universes, I started reading him the Bible too, or at least telling him Bible stories. And, and, you know, you present that in the same context as other make believe stuff. And it's just another story that you tell them. But then at a certain point, you can say, by the way, did you know that some people really think this is true? And then you can get in a discussion about that and critical thinking. Right. Yeah, I've I've never understood why why so many parents why so many atheist parents are hesitant to explain what atheism is or to or to tell their children that you know certain people believe this about God or or this about you know there are, there are different religious practices you know Mormons believe some of these things you know more mainstream Christian yeah. sects like. Catholicism, Presbyterians, whatever, b- believe in this type of thing. There are Muslims and Jews and Hindus and Buddhists. I don't understand why they can tell them all of that stuff, but try to shy away from denying any of those things or explaining why they don't believe in any of those things. I mean, you would think that part of that would just come as, as a rudimentary part of explaining the difference between all of those, right? Because they, yeah. they all have, have right. views that exclude those other religions. So, Clearly, they don't all believe in those things. Why? Why would it be a problem for you as an atheist parent to say, "I don't believe in any of those things," and here's why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I guess a lot of uh, atheist parents have learned 
incorrectly maybe that uh that uh like the lesson that oh the thing that religions do really badly or you know unfairly is talk to kids about beliefs in early age and that's indoctrination and indoctrination is always wrong but one of the things i realized pretty quickly when i became a parent i think was that a lot of your job for the first few years is indoctrination. I mean, you know, yeah. that sounds bad, but like if you want your kid to run out and play in the street, right. <laughs> I mean, to not, not run out. Like, <laughs> I guess it depends on how much, how yeah, great how much a parent it, you are and how much you care about your kid. Relationship. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, you know, it's all very well and good to say to yourself when you're, just going to have a baby. Oh, well, I'm going to explain all my reasoning to my kid. And then, you know, you're confronted with this two-year-old who wants to run out in the street and does not understand the concept of death. So, right. um, And you find yourself explaining things that you thought you would never have to say to another human being, like don't poke yourself in the eye with a fork. I mean, like like stuff that, you know, you, you have to, you do, you have to indoctrinate them with certain things because, there are certain things that they have to know just in order to survive. Right. Forks right. don't go on the outlet. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah. you know, if you, if you were raised with shamanic medicine your entire life uh-huh. and, and then discovered penicillin, you would tell your kid to avoid the shaman and take the penicillin. Right. Like, so I still don't understand why there's this weird avoidance about quote indoctrination. I mean, I, I, I guess it could, I don't know. Could it be taken too far? I, I guess I really haven't thought about that, but I, I, I guess um, definitely I, see it I being too little. I certainly think that you could be a parent who said, look, some people believe in God and they're all idiots. Oh, and if well, you yeah, ever yeah. dare to believe in God, so help me, I'll disown you and kick you out of the house. Right, right, yeah, I right. Mean, that doesn't happen much. No, but that would definitely be going too far. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're an atheist, I would hope that you're an atheist for good reasons, and those good reasons include like skepticism <laughs> and critical thinking, <laughs> and uh, you know, not believing everything you hear. Like, for instance, you know, you see a TV commercial for the most delicious chocolate cereal ever made, <laughs> and you're not just going to run out and buy it because the cartoon <laughs> bird told you to. <laughs> right. uh, and, you know, those are values that you want to instill in your kids. Uh, and they are uh, parallel to uh, reasons that most atheists have for rejecting all this mystical stuff. So you're saying there's hyperbole in advertising. (laughs) Well, I don't want to break news on this show. (laughs) That's going to get all the hate mail. Yeah, right. I know. As as he was talking about atheists that are supposed to be skeptics and all that, I'm like, I've been on Facebook. (laughs) there, There are definitely a lot that are not. Yeah, way too many who who don't have a belief in a god, but also are just terrible, terrible yeah, or believe in ghosts. Yeah. But are atheists somehow. Yeah, yeah. sure. Weird. Yeah, I've never understood um, I've never understood that. Like that's the weirdest I well I, I posted a the, because that subject comes up so often online, especially in atheist groups, like, well, what do you guys think about ghosts and spirits or aliens or possessions or exorcists? You know, all of this supernatural spiritual hooey that I I I <clears throat> I made a special note and 
you know, I, I put that on my own timeline just so that whenever that pops up, I can just post a link to it. Like, here you go. Think, read this and think about it for just a minute. <laughs> like my, my top, uh, my top one is like, why are ghosts never naked? Right. <laughs> right. Nice. Be, well, because their clothes have souls. <laughs> right. I mean, is every tiny individual little bitty fiber of their clothing <laughs> yeah. also possessed and, and, in, and is inhabiting its prior home of being on the body of this mm-hmm. now deceased person? Always from the 1800s. When I, when I gave my talk about skepticism last year, uh, one of the things that I emphasized was that even if it turns out that some of the mystical stuff is true, uh, you should still be careful about who you believe because like, for instance, uh, you know, the movie ghost Patrick Swayze, 1990. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so Whoopi Goldberg plays my favorite character in that movie. <laughs> of course, uh, she is the only person who can hear Patrick Swayze who is dead. Um, but when we first meet her, she's a con woman pretending yeah. that she can talk to ghosts and fleecing people out of her money, out of their money. And she's as surprised as anyone else when it turns out that this real ghost shows <laughs> up and he can hear her. So, I mean, the lesson you should take from that movie is we could totally be living in a world where spirits are all around us, but there could still be con men who are trying to rip you off. Right, right. By the way, I think that audience was far less responsive than than was deserved. I think your Sylvia Brown impression was was spot on. Oh, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, did, I didn't realize, or, or I didn't realize you were there. <laughs> or, or, oh, well, no, no, no! no. I just, yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I, I saw it after. Oh, okay. But um, gotcha. there was. There was a quote you had. I can't remember if you said it was from Deepak or Von Prague or one of those guys, but that I think I, I think I quoted multiple people. I, I think I, so. I, I actually asked my Facebook, "Can you provide me with uh, quotes from uh, famous hucksters who oh. are denouncing <laughs> skepticism?" And okay. my Facebook uh, followers always come through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but. It, the quote was basically that no skeptic has ever made an advancement or something uh-huh. like that. And that was, was like, Deepak what? Chopra. Oh, was it Deepak? <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? Um, yeah. They just sit in a, on the side of the road holding <laughs> up signs that say you're wrong. Right, being mad about it. Yeah. <sighs> what, a, what in the world? I, I, it, 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 there's a weird kind of, I, I guess not, I mean, we've already talked about not all atheists are skeptics, but I think there is a lot of parallel there. And I, and I think that's kind of the view that a lot of people have of atheists as well, that, you know, we sort of just sit back and say, you're wrong about all this stuff. But part of the problem is there's so fair. I know a lot of atheists who are like, yes, right. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Um, But, you know, at, at, at this, at the same time, though, there, there are an awful lot of wooey claims that just are wrong that are taken just sort of as common knowledge or understanding or whatever. And, and skeptics and atheists, um, just tend to dis, well, I, you know, that's not, I don't, I don't believe that that's the case or whatever. And so it does come right. across as, you know, saying no an awful lot of times, but. Well, I, I think the atheists who just, get pleasure out of saying no you're wrong <laughs> um like i i feel like they are to some extent missing the point like uh so it's really easy to de- denounce claims about bigfoot <laughs> um right. and you know i i mean claims about bigfoot should be denounced but i mean 
uh, I, I feel like there there are not that many people who believe in Bigfoot in a way that is has important impact on their lives. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, so, sorry, I, I'm trying to get a hold of where I'm going with this. Um, <laughs> I feel like skeptical activism, you need to keep sight of the fact that it is ultimately about helping people. Uh, because when it comes to con men, there are real stakes involved. There are uh, people who lose their money and there, there are people who... Uh, you know, their, their trust is betrayed and that can be emotionally devastating. Um, yeah. and, uh, when it, when it comes to religion, for example, there are lots and lots of examples of real harm. There are, um, like we mentioned Jehovah's Witnesses. A lot of Jehovah's Witnesses are the ones who don't believe in blood transfusions and put their kids at risk. Um, and, there are situations like, for instance, gay rights in America, uh, where this sort of bigotry against people who have real lives to live and, uh, uh, and real loves with other people, um, are persecuted and in some cases even physically attacked or killed. Uh, and I think that's worth fighting. And I think that opposing religious fundamentalism is an essential part of making sure that those people have better lives. Because mm -hmm. yeah. ultimately, I don't care if somebody just has some stupid belief. Like, I do care because I, I think that everything, that everybody should be intelligent about what they believe and believe in true things. But the kinds of beliefs that I'm most worried about are the ones that uh, negatively impact their own lives and the lives of others. Right. Yeah, and and I would I would even separate those into almost two separate things, right? Like, I there are some people <clears throat> who can believe stupid things and they're they're perfectly happy believing those stupid things even though they are sometimes harmful to them while mm -hmm. while there are people who believe stupid things who then based on those stupid beliefs try to force them onto other people and affect other and people's harm lives them. and i think you know i think though on the on the scale of of what is worse definitely those who only affect their own lives you know, I'm, I'm much less concerned about them than I am about the people who try to affect other people's lives in a negative way based on something stupid they believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I am concerned about people who are, uh, through ignorance harming their own lives. Like, oh, uh, sure. Yeah. One of the, one of the first exercises I ever had in sort of internet skeptical activism was when I encountered a group called Amway in, when I was in college. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're a, a sort of a financial cult in a way, as I view them. Yeah. Uh, I... And they said a lot of things to me that, that were superficially very tempting about how you can make a lot of money and you should dedicate a lot of time to Amway. Uh, but when I 
got into doing research with them, I, I realized, man, there are a lot of people who are not only dumping a lot of their own money into this thing, but also dumping a lot of their self-worth into it as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, so that if they fail to get rich, like Amway tells them they're supposed to, they're also on top of losing the money. They're also being told that they're failures and they'll never succeed in the uh, outside because they're too dumb to make money in Amway. And that, hurts people and sure. that's yeah. not fair and i think that being skeptical is a shield against that right yeah and I, I i guess i guess i would without having to dive back into the conversation you had with jeff on the last nonprofits, i i, I would just uh-huh. say to, to dan that i i think that both of those even though one is demonstrably more harmful they both are still believing false things which is sure. which is a problem too oh yeah yeah, yeah definitely I just remembered what argument you're talking about. <laughs> By the way, listen to the Nonprofits Radio. It's yes, great. absolutely. <laughs> yes, it is. It is really good. And if anyone has heard of this show without hearing of the Atheist Experience, I'll be shocked, but listen to that as well. Aaron, watch it, too. Watch it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was Father's Day recently, and mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, a personal aside for me, you know, besides besides raising, uh, you know, uh, children children outside of religion, I've noticed uh, that, like my father, for example, uh, six months ago, you know, told me that he was an atheist, and then oh, in then congratulations. In, oh well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's more. So so I noticed. Uh, I don't know. It was probably sometime in February. I went to his house and he had his garage door up and I noticed that on the back of, of his Cadillac, he has the in God we trust license plates that are new here to Utah. And I thought, well, that's weird. Thought you were an atheist. I, maybe he got confused when he ordered his license plates. My dad has never been a skeptic, right? He, he told me he was an atheist, but he's never been a skeptic and he's never, you know, really talked about religion a whole lot with me. Um, when I was young, you know, we went to church fairly infrequently. Uh, he stopped smoking just long enough to be able to baptize me into the LDS church. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just, you know, through familiar, familial relations and ties that most of my family is LDS. So he wanted to do whatever made the rest of the family happy, whatever. But, you know, six months ago, he told me he was an atheist. And I see these plates on his car. And then uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday before Father's Day, I called him just to confirm plans to see what, you know, what time we needed to be at his house for Father's Day, what we were going to do if we needed to bring anything. And he said, Oh, well, you know, you should be here just, just a little bit after two. I'm in church until two. And, and I said, what? And he's like, Oh yeah, I've been going to church every Sunday since September. And I was, and I couldn't stop myself. Like it automatically came out and I laughed and I said, you're going to church. <laughs> And he said, Oh yeah, I, I go every Sunday now, but, but just to the sacrament, I, I skip all of the other bull crap. And I'm like, well, that's still like three uh-huh. hours out of your life, but yeah. Um, and, and so anyway, there was a there was an instance earlier or late last year where he got really sick and almost died, and I think since then he's now thinking that he needs to get right with God because he's now afraid of death, and so he's started going to church. Uh-huh. He's doing all of these other things. Some of them are making a be- making him, I think, a little bit better person. Some of them, I th- I think, are 
just a complete waste of time. But while we were at his house for Father's Day, uh, there was a point uh, before dinner where most everybody was outside. It was just he and I sitting in his kitchen, and he said, you know, he it was it was like confession time for him, or it was almost like he was doing one of the twelve steps for some religion, like for for religion or Alcoholics <laughs> Anonymous or something. You know, he's like, hey, you know, while everybody is out, I just wanted to tell you. And he got a little little weepy, a little teary eyed, and he said, I know that, you know, I haven't always been the best father, and there were times when you were young that. You know, I hit you way too much, or I did this or that, or I wasn't a good father, and you know, and I and I know that he he's been married more times than I know for sure. But he mentioned something. He mentioned something <laughs> okay. about you know he's he's like and and you know if it wasn't for and he named one of his ex wives and he's like if it wasn't for her you wouldn't have been locked out of the house and this and that and I mean he mentioned a couple things that I don't even remember. Oh. As an adult, that apparently huh. he still feels bad about, uh. but okay. so I, so it was just kind of one of the, one of those things where you know I, I I raised kids out of a religion. My father was never very religious. Now he's getting more religious, and so it's it's kind of I, I wanted to talk about a little bit about the flip side of that too, like not just raising uh, a kids outside a religion, but how do you deal with parents who later find religion later in mm. life? Mm. You know, I I really don't know what to say to him other than that I hope he's happy doing what he's doing. I, I think it's a waste of time, you know, personally, but I guess if it makes him happier, provides comfort, I don't know that I can find a whole lot of fault with that. So your question is, how do you be a child raising a theist parent? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually tend to think that parents, your parents are generally... If if you're an adult, they're no more your responsibility than any of the other people you know in your life. I mean, yeah. I uh, have a great relationship with my mom and dad. Uh, you know, I I love them very much, and uh, you know, I talk to them on a regular basis. And I would not want to not have them in my life as friends. Uh, but I know <laughs> some other people's parents that. I uh, won't identify. <laughs> um, that I, I mean, I know some other people that they just don't have relationships with their parents, and I think that's okay. People grow and change, and uh, you know, it can also be frustrating if your childhood best friend is believing a bunch of irrational things. But you know, if if you love them, you do your best to get along with them. And accept the fact that they're their own person. Because one of the things I kind of live by on the atheist experience is, yeah, I'm out there arguing with religious people all the time, but I hardly ever change their minds. It happens sometimes. Um, but, you know, if I change minds, it's likely to be, you know, a few people here and there who are watching. Yeah. And uh, I don't go in with the expectation that I can or must change any one person's opinion because, you know, there are 7 billion people in the world and they all believe something irrational and <laughs> you're going to be pretty frustrated if you can only deal with everybody coming around to agreeing with you. Right. I, I am one such example of, of deconversion, partially because of atheist experience. 
yeah. some years ago. Yeah. Well, well, and I think I think a lot oh, of the time uh, too. Good to hear. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was a fine response. I was just, yeah, I was I was distracted. Uh, Ben's here. Oh, hi Ben. Hi <laughs> Ben. Actually, broadcasting. So you can lean in if you want. <laughs> Hi Ben. There you go. Um, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing to remember too is that you know a lot of the time, even when you're trying to talk to somebody, you may not be trying to change their mind. Of course, you're talking more to the people on the periphery or the people in the audience who are listening. But at the same time, even those people who you are talking with, it may not be that you change their mind right then and right there. But you're, yeah. you can still be planting that seed that you can yeah. be part of what eventually changes their mind, whether it's yeah, that I you agree. are the deciding force change, or not. But yeah, you can change their mind gradually over time, but it's not ever a guarantee. And it's certainly not a guarantee that it'll ha- it will happen because you said the one magical thing that completely fixed them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, and I have yet to see any, any time where somebody has been in a debate, in a debate or discussion with somebody where they're arguing different points of religion, you know, one being a theist, one being an atheist. And at any time during that conversation, the theist goes, wow, you're absolutely right. I have lost my belief in a God now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if they're at the debating level. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, that may not happen, but I always figure that my goal in debating people is not to just get them to go, Oh, you're absolutely right. But, uh, but at least to say, uh, you have a good point there. And I would like to think about that more. Right. Mm. Um, and that, that does happen to me a lot. I mean, well, to you, know, you. I've had <laughs> not to theists. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, two theists that I talked to. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, I see. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, I've had a lot of theists who were, let's say, you know, they're very fundamentalist and, and they come at me with all the bad stereotypes about atheists. And I, you know, and I will say something like, actually, I don't think that. Here's what I do think. And oh, I try to put it in terms that uh, arrives at the most common ground that I can find with this person. And, you know, I often will find that even with those very, very religious people, their positions will shift over time if they, you know, if they spend a lot of time openly having a conversation. Hmm. Not, not too much, but enough. Like I, I Mm -hmm. had a fundamentalist on a message board who I debated with for years. And one day he surprises me because like, you know, we're, we're constantly combative and I didn't think that anything I ever said was making an impact. And he said, you know, somebody at my church, like, like a pastor was preaching about what evil people atheists are. (laughs) And I, I said, no, no, they're, they're just wrong, but they're, you know, they're people who are not driven by evil, but think they're right and they're misguided and you shouldn't demonize them like that. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. I love when I hear stories like that where people realize that no atheists aren't evil, awful people. We may disagree with you on your religious beliefs, but that doesn't make us, or that doesn't make us evil people. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Well, and there, and there may be a number of, and this is, this is going to sound silly, but like as part of my deconversion, it was just the fact that, you know, Hitchens and, and Dawkins and atheist experience and stuff was out there. 
And then uh-huh. all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, that's an option. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it sounds yeah. crazy. That happens constantly. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but it's like that is that makes everything make sense now. Like, of course, that's the right answer for me. But right. Uh, my dad for 10 years was the token atheist at, uh, at my high school in a humanities class. They would bring in people, uh, once a year from different, uh, religious backgrounds. Uh, they had an Orthodox Jew and a, and a fundamentalist Christian and a liberal Christian and, you know, lots of people like that. Um, and my dad would always get these letters many of which were written begrudgingly because they had to do it for credit in the class. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, with every batch of letters, there would always be a few few that said, like, you know, wow, you know, I never even knew that this opinion, which I've always had, has a name. Right. Uh, right. It's crazy. But Yeah, I, I didn't realize, like, I... I had been an atheist for years, but I had no idea that there was a name for it until the early nineties. That, that's how I was. I always, th- I always thought atheism had the connotation that like the evil connotation, you know, like you're devil worshiper. It's an evil. It's a bad, <laughs> yeah. you're, atheists are bad people. But I'm like, well, I don't believe in God. So wait, isn't that, isn't that what an atheist is? Is that it? Yeah. Oh, I guess I am that. So yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think that just being open and outspoken and out there, well, it probably, you know, is going to always offend some people. Uh, it's really necessary in order to, uh, give support and hope to, let's say, you know, kids who are growing up in a fundamentalist environment and don't understand why they never fit in. Right. Right. Especially yeah, totally like the two agree. states we're from. Yeah, Texas and Utah. Which states are that again? I say oh. Texas and Utah. Yeah. Utah. Yeah, we're yeah. in Utah. Yeah. So, by the way, have you guys seen the Book of Mormon musical? I want to. I have not. I am a huge shill for that. It's it's so good. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's coming here to Utah. And actually, two years ago, uh, my kids bought me the the soundtrack to that yeah. for it was either Christmas Lots or Father's Day. <laughs> but yeah, my, my kids bought me the soundtrack for that and I'm really excited to see it. It's actually coming here to Utah and, uh, Tracy and I bought our tickets like the, I think it was the day they went on sale and okay. we've got great seats. It's like third row right in the middle. <laughs> nice. I'm really yeah, excited. Well, we went into it blind. We didn't even know what the basic plot was. Oh. And oh. We, it just, we were, it w- was so funny. <laughs> Do you, do you, have you, you haven't read the book, I guess, or have you? The, I don't know. the, the actual the book, book of, of Mormon. Mormon. I mean, I've opened it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty weird. Have you heard the Mark Twain quote about the book of Mormon? I, I think I may need to find that. I don't know. I, I believe he just called it chloroform in print. Yeah, I think that was <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, The Book of Ether is aptly named. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, so chloroform in print is one of the first things he says about it. Then he says, um, the book seems to be merely a prosy detail of imaginary history with Old Testament for a model, yep. followed by a tedious plagiarism of the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> the author... 
labored to give his words and phrases the quaint old-fashioned sound and structure of our King James translation of the scriptures, and the result is a mongrel, (laughs) half-modern glibness and half-ancient simplicity and gravity. The latter is awkward and constrained, the former natural but grotesque by contrast. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly so. <laughs> Sorry, what then? Is saying it's like chloroform means it's so boring that you'll go to sleep. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right, Ben. <laughs> he can't hear you. I've got headphones. Uh, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I so I I grew up LDS. Most of my family is LDS. Uh, I was baptized mm-hmm. into the church at the tender age of eight years old, and and stopped attending church regularly shortly thereafter. Um, yeah. And I'm really happy about that. <laughs> I think As the, you should be. <laughs> I think the, the few times that I've, that I've actually returned to church were, of course, for, you know, funerals, uh, blessings, when a family member has a baby and, and the baby's being blessed, or, mm-hmm. or on, a few rare occasions when I was when I was dating somebody who I really really liked, but was also LDS and wanted me to go to church with them. Yeah, I I could I could swear that they teach that there's some secret class that they teach young LDS women to bring, bring to bring men, men in. into the church. You know. I I think you're joking, but I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm only half joking, I, I, really. <laughs> I'm not going to say that Mormons do that, as far as I know. But I have actually read that uh, that a lot of cults uh, do like deliberately reel in new members with with their sexy young women. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to like, think. Like it is one of many cult tactics. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and there's a term for it. I I can't think it's 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 basically luring men in through sex, but I can't think of of what the actual term I've heard tossed right. around is, but yeah, I I and believe I, it's a thing. I mean, and and to tie this back into the feminist issue, <laughs> um that that is a good reason to uh be skeptical again and you know, to to not do all your thinking with your dick. Um, but, but you also shouldn't interpret that to mean uh, that that women are evil, temptress harridans either. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> uh, it it just means that uh, some people are susceptible to that, and some women who are people like everyone uh are are manipulative. Yeah. So so I don't know if and if you be careful about that. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you'll remember this conversation or not, but um so Danielle Moscato had posted on her wall a few months ago. Uh she she basically put a question out there of are you are you a feminist? Yes or no, and or it was something along the lines of, you know, are you a feminist or do you believe in feminism but don't identify as a feminist? And if so, yes. If not, why? Um, yeah, you know, I. And and so so I, I so I posted okay. out there. You know, I, there were a few comments. I think it was, you know, I think the there were there were a few people that that commented quite a quite a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Shayra Morin was one of them. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I made a comment and then you and I had a little bit of back up and forth and 
And in my, oh, yeah. and in my, <laughs> oh yeah, but I've, I'm not remembering the details, but it will come back to me. Soon. But, but I've mentioned, I've mentioned on this show a couple times, I, I've mentioned this conversation a couple times on this show and that, oh. and that no during, my ears were burning. <laughs> well, and that during that conversation, you actually changed my mind on, on the whole topic because, awesome. because I had, I had commented that, you know, yes, as far as what I believe and practice and do, I consider myself to be a feminist, but it's not something that I, at the time of this conversation, had identified or had been using the title of, 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 of being a feminist. And mm-hmm. there was a time that I had been, and then something happened, and I decided, well, fuck that, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> and I had stopped, and I, and I, made a couple comments and then you and I had a little back and forth and you absolutely changed my mind. And I just wanted to say, thank you for that. Please tell me what I said so that I can say it more. (laughs) You know, I would have to go back and review the conversation, but I think the gist of it was just that, you know, there are, there are a lot of the things that happen within the quote unquote, uh, feminist movement that I have a really hard time agreeing with. And there are a lot of shitty things that are done and said, in in the name of quote unquote feminism and a lot of bad arguments and a lot of and a and a lot of people demonizing other people because they don't perfectly align with what they want them to say or do and and then they're you know they're treated really really poorly and then 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 you made the argument that well you can say the same thing about just about any other movement right any other movement any other label any other title and yeah. And that you don't have to adopt and claim all of the shitty arguments that are being made in order to still adopt that label and title. Right. That was that um, was the basic gist of it. Here, here's the thing. Uh, I self-identify as an atheist, which is, you may have noticed, a very unpopular label in the world at large. <laughs> yes. Um, but a lot of reason that... Uh, the word atheist is so unpopular is because there has been an effective campaign by people who fundamentally disagree with the core motives of atheism uh, to make atheism a dirty word. Right. Uh, so Christian, like for instance, just to, just to take a minor example, a microaggression, if you will, uh, <laughs> if you look in some older dictionaries and even some modern ones, you might find that godless is still considered a synonym for immoral. Oh, mm, right. Um, That's my license plate. <laughs> you're, I assume you mean godless. Yes, not, yes. not, yes. not immoral. <laughs> um. And like a lot of atheists or, or people who should rightly be considered atheists would say, well, I don't believe in God, but, uh, you know, I don't agree with atheism because there, there's a lot of bad people out there or, you know, I, I don't identify with them. But that act of distancing yourself from uh, or, or that that act of projecting the behavior of the worst people you meet onto the category of atheists as a whole is buying into that framework. And it, it doesn't matter if you run away from the label atheist, because if nobody called themselves an atheist but called themselves secular, I mean, we've already seen the Christian right is perfectly willing to say, you know, oh, secular humanists are destroying the country. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
the same thing with politics. I, you know, I tend to be politically liberal and, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I have to give Republicans credit for is, uh, for many decades at least, making liberal a dirty and embarrassing word. <laughs> right. Well, um, we're, we're all tea partiers here, so. And I, no, and I, okay. and I think, <laughs> I think, I think a lot of the liberal crowd learned their lesson from that. And so as soon as uh-huh. people started calling themselves progressives and the Republicans tried to demonize progressive, everybody was like, no, that's our fucking word. We're going to keep it. Fuck off. I'm yeah. a progressive. You can go, yeah. you know, fuck uh, off also, over there. To tell and- <laughs> the truth, I, I got to say that it's an effective tactic. And the thing, this is actually a, a big part of the talk that I'm giving on video games is when you discover a tactic that works really well, you shouldn't rage against it and, and say it's cheap or unfair. You should steal it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I am all for like, using language in the same way and like making fundamentalism for instance a thing that mainstream people are too embarrassed to identify with yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah it, it's that it's that view that uh you know if, if it works exploit it mm-hmm. yeah and right, right now you almost can't really run for office as a republican unless you claim some bit of fundamentalism yeah. Yeah. Like, like for instance, take racism. Yeah. Um, racism. Yes, please take it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, I, I think like 70 years ago, you could, uh, I mean, I'm just pulling a number out of my butt. <laughs> but that's okay. That, that that's how this show goes. The, yeah. The 50s, the 40s. <laughs> You know, you, you could openly do things like say the N word, uh, and, you know, you could say, oh, you know, black people are ruining this country and, and I hate them all. Um, and I think that one of the ways we progress, there is still a lot of racism in the United States, but now they can't openly identify as racist, at least. They have right. to, like, a lot of racists now get angry about the label racism and, you know, rant that I'm not a racist at all and I have black friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't even have been necessary for somebody in the 50s to say I have black friends. You just say I hate all those N-words. Yeah. yeah. Well, saying you have black friends would have been a black mark on on your reputation anyway back then. Back then. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that changes. It- it's definitely happened. You know, I, I think that the fact that, um, which state is it? One of the Carolinas? Which state just took down the, oh, the South, South, Carolina. South Carolina? South Carolina took down the Confederate flag. That, that is a complete shock to me that, uh, yeah. you know, that, that is politically viable in South Carolina. And it makes me feel like progress is being made even when though we sometimes feel pessimistic about it. Yeah, well, yeah. well, and that you've got people like Lindsey Graham Cracker, who is <laughs> yeah. who himself is a Republican, but is saying, no, I think that we need to remove the flag and we need to take <laughs> it down because it's bad. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, right. I mean, but... Uh, when, I, when I was an American atheist last April, Dave Silverman gave a smashing talk, as he does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and one of the things he said was, he put up a quote from... I think it was Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council who recently in public said something like, 
to to Republicans. He said, look, some people don't believe in God and that's okay. People have all different beliefs. And I was like, wow, I don't believe Tony Perkis means that, but I am floored that he feels like he has to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's got family and research in the title. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> ominous to me already. <laughs> but what? Oh, well, shoot. <laughs> Okay. Is somebody going to bed? Do you need to go tuck somebody in? Got to wrap up. Uh, no, I have had a cat mishap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Can you guys sure <laughs> talk amongst yourselves? For a <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, like we were we were talking before the podcast though with the uh, the stuff going on in South Carolina. Just uh, why did it take so long? For them to even consider well, taking the flag well, and down. And how sad is it that it takes the murder of nine fucking people? Yeah. Right. And that, and that's what I was actually going to interrupt Russell to say was that, you know, I mean, yes, it's nice that South Carolina is taking this step, um, which, you know, would have appeared to be liberal had it happened 150 years ago. Uh, but now it's just fucking ridiculous that any state even has this flag at all. Yeah, and and it, and like I say, it's it's way past time that something should have been done about this, and it's shameful. It's a fucking shame that it takes the death yeah. of nine people before somebody says, "Oh, yeah, maybe flying the symbol of oppression and fucking slavery on isn't a, the greatest on idea the in the world." The state capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's remove this not indentured servitude flag. Um, uh, from, from our state grounds. In which people are like, they, they try to say it's, oh, it's our, it's our family heritage. It, it means this. It means this. I'm like, no, that was a, a battle flag for a soldiers in civil war that were trying to oppress. Well, and that's a shitty argument. No, how, no matter how you try to frame it. Like, there are tons of shitty fucking things I'm sure their family members have done in the past oh, yeah. that they wouldn't say, oh, no, you know, my grandfather was a pedophile, and so I carry around pictures of naked boys because it's family heritage and history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly it's, right. it's a tradition. Yeah. It's something to be celebrated. Or or like here in Utah, which just made the news, uh, the uh, uh, Caucasian Heritage Night that a minor league baseball team wanted to have. <laughs> the the it, Orem Owls. Yeah, it made it to CNN. The Orem Owls wanted to do yeah, that? Yeah, Orem Owls had scheduled a Caucasian, Caucasian Heritage, Heritage Night. Night with with what Wonder Bread? There. Oh my like god! It was it was Burgers on Wonder Bread and Mayo. It, yeah, they were going to overcome the vertical leap challenge. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. were there were so many fucking problems with this. Like the first of horrible. all, that they were going to have a Caucasian Heritage Night, right? Right. So then there was the shooting in South Carolina, and they were and and everybody was and everybody noticed. Oh, look at this fucking ridiculous thing that is on the schedule for the Orem Owls. Caucasian Heritage Night? What the fuck is that all about? So it took off on Reddit and on Twitter. Yeah. And so the Orem Owls decided to cancel it. Their cancellation was worse. It was worse than their initial scheduling of the event. Pray tell. Because their cancellation said that, oh, well, we were just trying to, you know, have fun and do whatever. And we were going to do things like have hamburgers on Wonder Bread with mayo and try to overcome the vertical leap challenge. And yeah. I mean, and like their, their retraction and cancellation of the event was more racist than the actual schedule. And this of the was event. in, in Orem at the stadium or? Yes. yes. Wow. I didn't even hear about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm only a few miles away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they schedule different types of events, right? They'll have 
It was it was a night. It was it was Caucasian Heritage Night. Yeah, they'll they'll have different nights like okay, Catholic wow. night or you know whatever some <laughs> some theme for the evening is, okay. and they had scheduled Caucasian Heritage Night. Wow. And of course, they had scheduled this before the In whole Utah County. Yeah, but they and they, I know, right? Right, like, right, right. Let's celebrate everybody who fucking lives here. <laughs> but they, they, so they had scheduled this before the whole shooting had happened and everything. But then, of course, after the shooting, it was like, whoa, that's super bad. You guys need to do something about that. And then their <sighs> yeah. PR person is apparently just barely above shitting in their hand and throwing it at the wall. Because their retraction and cancellation of it was worse than the initial scheduling of the event. Awesome. It was terrible. Hi, Russell. Hi, I'm back. Sorry about that. That's all right. right. (laughs) Cat problem solved? Yeah, uh, well, yes. (laughs) What's your cat's name? Lola. Lola. Mm. Just Just one cat? Just one. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so i noticed that matt had scribbled a couple of questions as we were talking oh i've got so many questions man yeah okay. but uh how how long are we going by the well way? that i mean it, it's some it's, of that depends on you too i mean we don't we don't want to keep you you know yeah we don't want to keep able. you if you've got if you've got other things going we we yeah. can always we like to just sit here and talk at ourselves anyway so <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, do, uh, is 15 more minutes going to be enough? Perfect. Yeah, yeah certainly. Okay, cool. All right. I'll get on it then. I, I actually, I, one of the things that I pulled, I, I pulled a lot of things from your, um, your talk from last year, but <clears throat> one of the ones that I thought was really interesting was the, the need for social intelligence and skepticism and atheism. And I wondered if you could, uh, you know, expand on that a little bit. Um, let, let me see. And it's kind of a it's kind of a narrow <laughs> That's a question. question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think we've touched on a number of angles I, that kind I, of. You know, I just saw somebody in uh, on Facebook who was talking about her brother, who is the same age as my son, uh, and um, she was saying that he just got sent home from camp because. Uh, you know, he, he was being a smug jerk to everybody. I didn't get the details and I'm not going to name her. Um, but, uh, you know, when she asked him why he was doing that, he, he was like, well, I'm, you know, I don't care what they think because I'm smarter than any of them. <laughs> right. Okay. That sounds like kind of a smug jerk. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, um, well, and what kind of what what kind uh, of camp of was this? I don't know. I don't oh, okay. I just said I I read their Facebook wall. Um, but I I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of times skeptics will feel this way because you know a lot of us are, uh, you know, intelligent nerdy kids. Um, and I certainly was an intelligent, nerdy kid. And I certainly went through a period in my teenage years where I didn't have very many friends for kind of the same reasons. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but, you know, as I've grown up, I've realized that uh, being alone sucks. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, I I think a lot of social intelligence is realizing that, like, one of the things that religious groups do well, and I don't 
blame them for it, like some people do, is that church is a really good way of bringing people together around common interests. And I think people need that kind of social cohesion. You know, um, if you're growing up and you're, you're going to have any kind of career, you need to learn to network with people and make friends in the industry. Um, one way or another, uh, we all need other people to uh, lead full and fulfilling lives. Um, and I appreciate having an atheist movement that rallies around concepts like skepticism and uh, civil rights for, for important causes um, and defending separation of church and state and the way that brings us together. Um, and I also think that this kind of social intelligence is necessary because if we define our interests as narrowly as possible and say, oh, no, you can't be a true skeptic unless you're with me on, on every issue and you look a certain way and so forth, um, the movement is always going to lose to, uh, to people who build a broader base of support. Uh, so I guess in some way this appeal to social intelligence is kind of political. I might mention that I minored in political science. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that we need to be as broad as possible as long as we can do that while not losing sight of our goals. Does that answer the question? Yeah, no, I think I think that's perfect. I, I I was curious about I was curious about it. It was something that kind of came up briefly during during your talk, and um, I, I've always kind of considered that a, a a different section of intelligence that's not registered on the IQ test per se, but um, but obviously is you know you find it in droves in people that are like in sales and marketing and and, oh, and yeah, other sure. stuff like that and so i, I just wonder or, or people who are you know who wind up being managers and, sure you know at, at the top of their chain right of course they might just be psychopaths well there's that there's that too <laughs> well yeah they've, they've done it they've done several studies or or at least I've heard that they've done several studies and, and polls on people who are CEOs of companies and bankers. There's a, there's a vast majority of them who are psychopaths. No, 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 no not vast majority of them, just greater <laughs> than in the general population. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. but Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So I've heard those studies you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Although, although I think it would be fair to say that the vast majority of psychopaths rather than serial killers are CEOs and. <laughs> Well, uh, so, no, I also doubt that was that is true. <laughs> Sorry, oh. you're talking to somebody who who uh, did a lot of data mining. <laughs> Wait, so so, so you have to be careful about making over generalizations like that that are mistaken. So more psychopaths are killers, no, th than our uh, CEOs. No, I don't think I. No. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't matter. Um. Uh, let, let me just say this. A very, very tiny minority of all people are CEOs. And so yes. it would be yeah. a big mistake to say that a very large number of psychopaths are CEOs. Right. I was only saying that a larger number of psychopaths are CEOs as opposed to serial killers. As most I don't know. Are there more killers than CEOs? I haven't done the research. Well, that's There's an a interesting question. Yeah, ask Ed Ryan. Gale. He's from Wisconsin. He'd know. <laughs> <laughs> we just um, had Dahmer and Ed Gein. Dahmer and Gein. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, another, another interesting point that I thought, uh, well, so one, one of my things, this is kind of me personally. I don't, I don't know that it's actually come up on the show very much, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I personally tend to take, um, testimony or personal experience as like n- next to zero for in terms of evidence for anything uh, i just okay. i don't i just don't think people are very good at being able to describe what it's like to be them uh, you know and and it certainly isn't going to be true for anybody else so when people are telling me this and that so my thing I, I just i hate testimonials and all that um one of the things you that was brought up to you from an audience member during that talk last year was um and i, I don't know this gentleman's name but I think he he came up a couple of times, uh, but oh, I think I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a little bit of a thorn, I think. But um, he he was saying something to the effect of "don't don't dismiss others' experiences or you lose credibility," kind of thing. Um, and I think he may have been trying to suggest, like on an emotional level, you'll you'd you'd lose credibility with them, but he didn't really get around to saying that, and so. From my standpoint, listening to him, I thought, I I don't really t- take anybody's testimonials for shit, really. I mean, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. So, anyway, you handled it very diplomatically, well, but I just... <laughs> <laughs> I bet I did. Um, there, uh, so, I don't discount people's personal experience because you know, most people are truthful most of the time. And most of the things that people say to you are not extraordinary claims. Like, uh, you know, if one of your co-hosts, I assume, uh, walks in and, and says something like, Hey, you know, sorry, I'm late. There was horrible traffic. Uh, and also, uh, you know, that I, (laughs) You know, my car was out of gas or something like that. Right. Odds are pretty good that that's true. I mean, you know, he certainly could be lying about that sort of thing. But, you know, I think if you just believe people believe what people say in like 90 percent of cases, you'll be right. Well, sure. Um, I, I guess you, it depends you, on the type have of the, claim that they're making. Do you have the too. data for that, or no? Well, <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> well, and I guess it depends um, on the type of claim they're making too. You know, I mean, if if Ryan were to show up fifteen minutes late and say, "Sorry, you know, there I was driving down the road and was abducted by an alien and had a probe yeah, put in I, my anus," you, you know, might I, believe that from me, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> So that gets into extraordinary claims. And yeah, extraordinary right, evidence. right. And the thing is, everybody, like part of intelligence, and, and like I've read a lot about AI. I'm not a, a researcher. Uh, you know, I'm not a computer academic by any stretch of the imagination, but I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of what AI researchers have found is that uh, in order to uh, emulate intelligence, you know, you cut all systems need to sort of be able to build up their own model or simulation of what they think is true in the universe. Um, And then when they hear any individual statement, they compare that with stuff that they already think they know uh, and kind of assess the likelihood that, uh, you know, if, if I hear a statement that 
massively conflicts with the mental model I've built of the universe. It's not necessarily false, but I should give it some extra scrutiny. And so mm-hmm. when somebody says, hey, uh, did you know that Jesus rose from the dead after three days? I'm like, well, I don't have any examples of that, and I'm not willing to believe it just to <laughs> say so. And then, like, if if I meet, like, a thousand people over the course of my life who, who all say that, some people will just shift their mental models in such a way as to include resurrection. But also, you know, people are often kind of bad at assessing uh, uh, the popularity of a claim as an indication of its truth. Yeah, just because one person has resurrected in history, quotations. Uh, (laughs) Why hasn't anybody else ever resurrected? If it's true for that person, why can't it be true for everybody? Well, according to Matthew, there were a bunch. Yeah, well, according to Matthew, but right. that's all coming from one source. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess uh, a hallmark of gullibility is being more easily able to uh, replace stuff in your mental model based on uh, excessive trust in in other people's assertions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, I actually like that know. definition. I think that's pretty good. Um, can I ask you one more question? Unless you guys have something. Okay. Will you just tell everybody on the show that, uh, we say hi and I appreciate all your efforts and you've made a difference in at least my life. Uh, sure. Awesome. Godless revolution. You're right. (laughs) And, and mine as well. Like I said, I, I, you, you did, you did change my mind and my view on using the term feminist. So I, I appreciate that very much. I'm very happy to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, before I let you go, my son here is in studio with us and wanted to know what your Twitch stream name is. Uh, Glasser 27 Rglasser27. You just got a thumbs up. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) uh, If if you go to my, uh, uh, I mean, if you can't remember that, you can check me out on Twitter. That's just at Russell Glasser, which is really easy to remember. And I'm pretty sure like several of my recent tweets have just been automatically saying, Hey, our Glasser 27 is online now. <laughs> uh, but you know, I play a lot of stuff. Uh, I got, uh, I've done some shadow of Mordor recently and I play, uh, uh, heroes of the storm mostly and Starcraft sometimes. Sweet. Very cool. Sweet, sweet. Anything else you want to plug before we let you go? Yeah, plugs. Uh, uh, <laughs> make sure that you enroll for the uh, to, uh, for the Gateway to Reason conference in St. Louis uh, in late July, early August. And uh, you did mention uh, Iron Chariots. Iron Chariots uh, Wiki. Yep. I I love that site. I mean, yeah. I started it. But, uh, I, you know, it's a wiki, so I'm now able to go and look up an argument, and I find that tons of editing has been done on it by all the talented people who participate. Uh, so if you're ever stumped by uh, a religious argument, the first thing you should consider doing is uh, is searching Iron Chariots for, for words related to that argument, because... Uh, I do. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's more counter apologetics than you will probably be likely to encounter. So. Yeah. And it is, it is a great, it is a great, great resource. I use it quite a bit. Yeah. Fantastic one. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Russell. 
We really, really Thank appreciate it. Me. Right. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I'll see you around the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Take care, man. Bye bye. What a uh, great guy. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. I like Russell a lot. Yeah. Me too. And, and he has. He has affected me personally and, and has changed my mind on something. So has affected me personally too. <laughs> well, I know when I first started delving into like, well, oh, there's like looking up atheism on YouTube and looking up videos and stuff. And before I found Dawkins and Hitchens, I found the atheist, atheist experience. Yeah, I found Dawkins, Hitchens, then the, then. But I, but I I almost think the atheist experience was a little bit more impactful for really cementing it for me. Now I just love watching the atheist experience for it's just funny. a lot. Of, well, a lot of the call-ins, a lot of people that call in and just listening to what people think. And I'm like, right. there's some crazy fucks out right. there. Right? <laughs> there's some. There's some crazy fucks out there. <laughs> there are. There, there are fucks who are crazy. They're, <laughs> they're all. They're all. They're all over the crazy fucking place. Truth. <laughs> That's the truth. So uh, that that was that was really great. I'm I'm really glad we could have him on the show tonight. Broadcast, bring you this important News. Yeah, South Carolina is taking what would have been a liberal step in maybe 150 years ago by, quote, considering the removal of the not indentured servitude kind of slavery Confederate flag from the state grounds. What? Why would they do that? <clears throat> It's part of their history and heritage. Surely they want to keep that up in place. Yeah, that's true. Um, after decades of bitter debate over whether the Confederate battle flag is a proud symbol of regional heritage or a shameful emblem of its na- nation's most grievous sins. Shameful emblem of its nation's most grievous sins. <laughs> yes. The argument may finally be moving toward an end. Um, yeah. South Carolina is leading the way for other states as it considers removing the flag from its capital grounds in the wake of a horrific racial hate crime. Those are those are a few words that you never really ever right. hear, right? Like South yes. Carolina South Carolina is leading the <laughs> right. way one in the, anything. One, two of the words you never hear together are South and two. Carolina. <laughs> and they're not talking about sister marriages. <laughs> some I nice. said some of the words you never hear together are South Carolina is leading the way. Correct. Now, now I got to add something to that article because unless it's like a cross burning or something, they did pull the whole flag pull down. Right. Did they actually so they, do they, it? They today? removed it. They removed so, it today. So they done. Wow. They done did that. The historical poignancy is heavy and resonant, given that the killings last week of nine African Americans took place in a church basement just a few miles from where the first shots of the Civil War were exchanged in 1861. Photos that have surfaced of the accused killer, Dylan Roof, showing himself posed in a Confederate flag. Oh, posed in one, holding one, draping him over, yeah. burning him uh, Have you seen anything about what his parents have said? Like, ah. I saw one article where the news media had tried to contact his mother, and his mother just said flat out, we will not be doing any interviews yeah. ever. Mm. The, the only You know why? Because that kid didn't fucking learn that stuff all by yeah. himself. Well, yeah. Clearly, he was taught that fucking bullshit, right? That's not something you just happen to stumble onto one day in your teens. He was probably his parents are probably racist as fuck. Oh, did you I'm see sure the, are, the, the the Fox News it, coverage so. of the of the story? The Fox News coverage, like literally the I next day. Not, the the only Fox News coverage I really ever watch is the Fox News Sunday, and that's just. 
to prepare myself for the Republican talking points throughout the week. They were interviewing his black friend to show that it wasn't a racist thing. Yeah. Wait, what? Apparently the kid had one black friend. <laughs> and right, says but, that but, his but, friend was not a racist. And who said that he was not a racist. Like, he had no problem. Because I guess the way they're painting him in that picture was he would const- he would always be running away from home and drinking and doing drugs and partying with them. And in the trailer park, he's like, he had... He was, he was friends with everybody. He never. I'm trying to figure out the Fox News angle on this. Are they trying, trying to say to show that, that it wasn't a racially motivated thing? Oh. Even though he it wasn't said racist, he, he was just attacking Christians. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Of course. Even though he's been quoted saying his manifesto, where he's basically saying that, you know, he he thinks that like people of race are below him and yeah, it wasn't racially motivated. And, it was religiously motivated. Yeah. Well, my whole take on the thing, you know, about the picture with him and the Confederate flag and everything is like that. I mean, absolutely, yes, the state should be taking that down. It should have been done. It shouldn't have been put up a century and a half ago. But I, I, I just don't want this to be confused with the ending of racism because I, I already know that that's going to be an argument that's used in the future. Oh yeah, I mean, you hear all the time they've already the- taken our flags down. Yeah, we live in a post-racial nation. Right. I mean, I don't know why this is a problem. Bullshit. Racism isn't as bad as it was in maybe the 30s, 40s, 50s. But it still exists. It's still around, clearly. Yeah. Right. Um, the banner was long considered politically sacrosanct in the South, at least among conservative whites. It now appears that a rush is on to banish it, along with other images that evoke Confederacy and show racial divisive- divisiveness. Only the racial... Only the racially divisive, divis. Why can I not say that fucking word? Divisive, 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 divisive or divisive. Yeah, Obama says divisive, but divisional, divisive. I usually use divisive. Divisive is the accepted pronunciation, and I just I can't get it out. Don't accept mine now. Otherwise, it sounds like a device. Divisive. Yeah. Divisive. Well, that's fine too. Or divisional. Yeah, they're all derivatives of of that same word. But anyway, you have no problem with derivative. (laughs) I know. It must be the way I wrote it or something. (laughs) Only the racially divisive items. But keep all the other exclusionary insignia like Decalogues and stuff. Like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah, that, well, that's the part, that's one of my biggest complaints with fucking religion is that people say it's, it's, it's this bonding and this, it's, it's a thing to gather people together and and to bring people together. Fucking bullshit. You can't tell me that it's not divisive. You have over 30,000 sects of your own fucking Christianity. I mean, that's just one branch of the fucking Abrahamic belief tradition. One nation under God, the most divisive thing there is. Indivisible is the very next fucking word. (laughs) The two most divisive things there are is religion and politics. Yeah, you can't tell me that faith isn't a divisive issue. I mean, clearly it is. You have different fucking denominations all over your city. Yeah. Drive down the road by your house and tell me how many churches you see and what those different denominations are. There were there were some good developments though. Um Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, a, a, a Democrat, but also Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam and North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory, who are both Republicans, also said they wanted to get rid of such license plates in their state that depict the confederate flags which good on them um and both parties agree on something they want to be (laughs) reelected. so so that's good um well and and i guess i guess one the the bit of silver lining throughout all of this is that how you know that i'm encouraged to learn that even republicans now can see that this is a yeah. shitty political yeah. stance, right? Yeah, even the Republicans. Yeah, even Republicans throughout all of their fucking knuckle dragging can see that this is a bad fucking thing. Right. 
Well, and in Mississippi, the top Republican in the state of House of Representatives, Philip Gunn, has called for the Confederate battle cross to be removed from the upper left corner of his state's flag. And as recently as 2001, Mississippi voters weighed in by more than two to one to retain the rebel badge as a dominant feature of their flag. So Mississippi is the only state with more consonants than IQ points, but will probably be the last to win this one, too. Yeah. Yeah, they're both they're, as they're progressive as a stalled car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, meanwhile, businesses are moving quickly to remove the symbol from their inventory. In the space of the last 24 hours, retailer giants Walmart, Sears, eBay, and Amazon.com all announced that they would no longer sell Confederate-themed merchandise. Mm-hmm. Valley Forge flag and uh, a leader, a leading flag mag... <sighs> flag maker? Valley Forge flag, a leading flag maker said it will cease to make this banner. Yeah. Um, and that is really what's going to affect major change. And, and the um, thing is, like, if you want a flag made, you know, I guess the Confederate flag has its places. If you want to do in places, if you are doing a, a reenactment of a Civil War battle, yeah, you might, that might be a place for it to have it on a, as a, as a part of a reenactment thing. Just as part of your battle colors. As part of your battle colors, as part of a Civil War reenactment thing. I can see that's, that's a proper place for the, 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 the flag. But you can have mon- many other flags there too. All, all the other battle flags that might have been carried into Civil War battle, and not all yeah, might have carried the, Civil, the Confederate flag. Flying, flying it above a U.S. flag at a state house, I don't think is quite the is the absurd. The thing that is for here, not but. where it belongs. Um, there is also resistance to this movement, however. <clears throat> no shit. Yeah, South Carolina state legis- state senator Lee Bright. He doesn't sound bright already. Nope, he's not. A state co-chairman for the presidential campaign of Senator Ted Cruz called the proposal a Stalinist purge. Amazon registered a surge of buyers of Confederacy. Because Stalin hated the Confederacy? (laughs) (laughs) Who fucking knows? Amazon registered a surge of buyers of Confederate-themed merchandise in the hours before the company decided to stop selling it. Amazon's chief executive, Jeffrey Bezos, also owns the Washington Post. A Stalinist purge. And I just want to ask, does Godwin's law apply here? I know it's not Hitler per se, but fucking dial it back a little. And by the way, removing swastikas after the Holocaust was also an appropriate move. Yes. And it was mandatory. I don't care if it's a, well, if it's mandatory, but the thing was removing the swastikas yeah. after the Holocaust was appropriate. Was removing, the right thing to fucking do. Removing yeah. Confederate flags after slavery would have been appropriate. And 150 years later, now we have people referring to the removal of flags as Stalinistic. This is insane. Is, is after the Confederate War, the Confederate flag or the Civil War, the Confederate flag went away. Yeah, it, it's for, for a it's, time. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous that it has taken us this fucking and, long and, and to then, realize. Hey, maybe we ought not fly this fucking yeah. this fucking symbol of slavery. Well, to be fair, we did realize this a long time ago. But the fact that they're comparing the people who want to remove the reminders of slavery well, to Stalin, yeah, is fucking insanity. The, what, the, the Civil War started eighteen sixty six. It was, no, the, the slavery ended in '65. So no, that's when the, the, the Civil War was in the 1860s. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And after the Civil War was over, well, the Emancipation flag Proclamation was, in, was delivered in 1865, which was during the height of the Civil War. Okay. Uh, My history maybe, maybe teacher maybe always maybe was, made it a point to make us never memorize dates, just as long as we knew what had happened. <laughs> so uh, it, it might have been 1866 when the Civil War ended. Then. 
All right, so, but 1866, Civil War, done. Confederate flag didn't make its appearance back until the Ku Klux Klan started adopting the flag in the 1920s. But what would the Ku Klux Klan have to do with the religious war right in this country? <laughs> it doesn't. Well, at that, t- at that time, it's, it's a Christian group. Don't, don't tell the, don't, don't they're tell Christian, the clan that they have they're, nothing they're, to do with Christianity they're, because they're, they'll they're, call you a fucking liar. And don't tell Christian Christians that they have anything to do with the KKK. Right. Then the mm-hmm. 1960s is putting up on the South Carolina Capitol. Now for a voice of reason. <laughs> Conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh told his listeners Tuesday that the effort to get rid of the flag is aimed at, quote, destroying the South as a political force, end quote. No. And as he predicted... The next, or and he predicted the next flag that will come under assault, and it will not be long, is the American flag. You know, I may have said this before a time or two, but fuck Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that I, giant fucking pain-killing, addicted motherfucker. I, I, well, the, the American flag might come under attack because Puerto Rico really wants to become a state, so we might have to add an extra star to it. Ooh. So there's going to be kids running around with little stickers <laughs> putting an extra star on those flags, why attacking the fuck, them. Why the fuck isn't Puerto Rico a state? Right. Well, they voted several times on it before in the past, and it's always been shot down for them as voting themselves. Because they're not a state. They can't, they can't make that determination. Right. It's up well, to everybody else. Well, yeah. they, they can vote to have their constitution changed to allow them to become a state, and then they got to go through the whole process. But it wasn't until this last year when they had a general election, and they said, yes, we want to, the majority voted to become a part of the United States. Uh, but they still have to go through the whole process, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen, though. We're going to have to redesign all them flags. Exactly. And, That's yeah. probably what they thought. Flip-flops and bikini <laughs> thongs. And- I don't know. I, I With Ted Cruz and Rush Limbaugh, I, just, I think it's funny that the most, quote, conservative voices are always the most liberal with extreme hyperbolic rhetoric and public persecution pity parties. Well, those, I mean, those are that, I mean, that's, if you're going to apply anything liberally, it might as well be a pity party for something that yeah. doesn't have any fucking consequence whatsoever, right? Well, they're, they're always, they're always claiming persecution where there is none. Yeah, there's no, but, um, Jared Taylor, a former board member of the Council of Conservative Citizens, a group cited by Roof in a racist online manifesto, says that whites, are being told that their ancestors were wicked white slave owners and they're being asked to bear the guilt that has come down through the generations. Mm. Quote, I fear that if this message is redoubled and repeated, there will be those white Southerners who cannot control the anger. And, um, yes, sir, they were fucking wicked white slave owners. There's nothing good about a slave owner. Right. And threats of more violence really bolsters the whole it's only a historical thing argument. Yeah, is there is there such a thing as a not wicked slave owner like you? Right. Oh, I only did it because I wanted to make sure that they well, had a roof over so, their head. So yeah. now here's, here's you know a, what? That's actually one of the fucking arguments I've that I've that. heard recently. Well, uh, they fed him and they housed him. It's like yeah, but you also fucking kidnapped him and sold him on a market. Yeah, I was I was actually watching Rachel Maddow. I was watching the Rachel Maddow show today during lunch, and. Some fucking asshole. We gave him work. I shit. I can't. I, I feel bad that I can't remember yeah. his name because I was going to make it a point to bring it up. But he was saying that. Oh no, you know you can't say the slavery was all bad. It was the greatest socialist institution of all time. You know we ah. we made sure that that they were that they were clothed. They had food. They had a roof over their heads. And this was from cradle to grave. We took care of our slaves from the time they were born until the time they were buried. We only so, whipped them daily. It was the greatest socialist program ever put in place. All right. So here, here's an interesting thing. When you, when, when you want to talk about morality in the Bible with a Christian, right? An evangelical Southern Bible Belt Christian. 
and you talk about Exodus 21, the slavery chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to dispute that. I mean, the very, the most common apologetic is that, well, that wasn't slavery like the transatlantic American slave trade. That was indentured servitude, <laughs> right? They try <laughs> to make this better. This bullshit. They try but to now, make a bullshit distinction. But yeah. now they're trying to soft the, soften the transatlantic American slave trade. So now you have a point to say, well, that wasn't bad either, according to you. Right. So well, what the, the fuck is it? But there were black slave traders too, you know. Yeah. Wasn't just whites yeah. doing it, right? That, but that's so far from the point. I mean, I'm just like but, yeah, I'm I've just heard saying, that argument I mean, if, though. But but the thing was the thing is that it used to be the common apologetic to create this major difference between this the slavery of uh you know year zero Judea indentured servitude so to speak and you know early 17th century 18th century American slave trade. They're trying to create this big difference. And now what they're trying to do is knock down that wall and make the American slave trade at least as soft as what they claim the biblical slaves were. So well, so yeah. their argument is totally washed. Yeah. The American slave trade was so much better. Well, or that the, the Israelites wanted to be enslaved. I mean, I saw the movie right, Amadeus. The other, they right? had a lot of fun. What was yeah. it? The movie Amadeus. <laughs> Well, if rock, you play, me, rock me, Amadeus. It's one of those ones where if you play it backwards, they had a lot of fun. Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> Amadeus, Amadeus. If you watch Amadeus backwards, it's a happy Amadeus. story. <laughs> Look up Eddie Falco. I know the song. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's 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 absurd to think that, symbol is, that the Confederate flag is anything but a symbol of, well, it's a symbol of rebellion, hatred, and slavery. Right. Right, and so is the Bible. And anti-Semitic groups. Well, I, so I told you guys, I told you guys pre-podcast that on the way to my dad's house for Father's Day, tooling down I-15, headed north, uh, with the whole family in the car, and saw some fucking jackass driving down the road in his fucking four by four truck with two giant fucking Confederate flags sticking out of the back of the bed of his truck, and we're going down the road, and you know, up ahead, I just see this truck with some flags. I couldn't really tell what they were. We get up next to him and I was like, Oh my God, look at this fucking jackass. It happens all the time in Utah County. Yeah. And everybody in the car was like, Holy shit. What a fucking asshole. He's probably the guy that almost hit me on the way down here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I almost got hit. You almost got hit like broadsided or what? Like there was just enough room for a big ass truck to speed up right next to me and swing. I slammed my brakes on an I-15 almost fucking locked him up. This guy fucking swung in the space. The size of a Mazda Miata in front of me. Did he have a Jesus fucking ichthus emblem on the back? He didn't of his... even have a tailgate in the back of his truck. Yeah, I wonder why it was probably scraped off on, <laughs> on some another... other person that he oh. had cut off. Yeah, I, I about wanted to speed up behind him and just fucking ram him right in the back of his truck. <laughs> Were you in the fast lane? I was and impeding his progress, Mister Duffy. I was in the slow lane. Oh, really? Doing seventy-five, eighty miles an hour in the slow lane. And this guy came up on my, well, not in the slow, one over. So I was in the second to last right lane. Yeah. And he came up on my right side and fucking passed me and shot straight over and went straight across all lanes. To the exit or what? No, to the, to the, uh, oh, to, to the, the fast, fast lane. lane. Yeah. I got to get over there because nobody's going to slow me oh, down. He was, he was probably doing 90 miles an hour and he never slowed. Like there was cars, two cars in front of me, one on my front, front of me, one front right. He came right on that bumper of that car and fucking shot straight left. Yeah. And I slammed the fucking brakes on. Yeah. On the interstate. Fuck that guy. 
He probably had a Confederate flag in his passenger seat. I wouldn't doubt it. That motherfucker. Motherfuckers. Um, Cut people off. Trade slaves. You know how it works. <laughs> the Bible beats Quran because Muslims are worse behaved. Defense may be even less convincing for right-wing Christians now, if they could read, that is. <laughs> um <laughs> In the 14 years since Al-Qaeda carried out attacks on the, on New York and the Pentagon, extremists have uh, regularly ex- executed small smaller lethal... God, Jesus Christ. God, Jesus Christ. I can't fucking read tonight. <laughs> or any night. <clears throat> Help me, Lord, Jesus Christ. All Help right. me, Lord, please. Al-Qaeda carried out attacks on New York and the Pentagon. Extremists have regularly executed smaller lethal assaults. In the United States, is stakes, states, states, breath. Jesus Christ, we're gonna have to do a cut on this. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the last terrorist attack that was not that's, South Carolina. That's the point. Well, that no, wasn't that's, a Islamic. <laughs> I know. Um, that's the point of this article. Um, smaller lethal assaults in the United States, explaining their motives in online manifestos or social media rants. But the breakdown of extremist ideology. Oh my God, ideology ideologies thank you Ryan you're welcome behind those attacks may come as a surprise since September 11 2001 nearly twice as many people have been killed by white supremacists anti-government fanatics and other non-muslim extremists than by radical Muslims 48 have been killed by extremists who are not Muslim compared with 26 by self-proclaimed jihadists according to the count by New America a Washington research center that's here in the US yeah the, the only the only yeah, one with, I can think within of here in the, the US, US. The last one would have been the Boston one because they were they were, they were claiming, Muslims, buddy. Yeah, that that, that was. Um, yeah. If such numbers are new to the public, as they apparently are to you guys, and they were to me too, they are familiar to police officers. A survey to be published this week asked 382 police and sheriff's departments nationwide to rank the three biggest threats from violent extremism in their jurisdiction. About 74 percent. That's no small number. No. 74% That's list- the vast majority. Yeah. listed anti-government violence, oh, while yeah. 39% listed Al-Qaeda-inspired violence, according to the researchers. Charles Kurtzman of the University of North Carolina and David Shanzer of Duke University. No small, no small colleges either. Quote, law enforcement agencies around the country have told us the threat from Muslim extremists is not as great as the threat from right-wing extremists. Oh, yeah. Definitely said David Kurtzman, whose study is to be published in the Triangle Center on Terrorism and Homeland Security and the Police De- Police Executive Research Forum. Well, wasn't it the FBI who, I want to say last year, released their findings about about domestic terrorist threats, and it was right-wing Christianity mm-hmm. and attacks on government that were their primary concern? Yeah, the, the American... And then you get all the fucking... Religious right who get up in arms like, oh, you can't say that the Muslims are blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's the American Talibanjos. And, yeah. and, and they, and they want to complain that the Muslims American are American bad- Talibanjos. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you should have saved that for later. Talibanjos. Uh. <laughs> um, some killings by non-Muslims that most experts would categorize as terrorism have drawn only fleeting news co- media coverage and never gelling in the public memory. But to revisit some of the episodes is to wonder why, and they cover a few of these rather nasty domestic terrorist assaults on the U.S. in the last couple of years. Um, 
And then they go on to say that some Muslim advocates complain that uh, when the perpetrator of the attack is not Muslim, media, media commentators quickly focus on the question of mental illness, which I think is a fair complaint, although they may not be focusing on the case of mental illness with Muslims because it's obvious <laughs> what the illness is. It's a fucking Muslim. Um, on several occasions... Since President Obama took office, efforts by government agencies to conduct research on right-wing extremism have run into resistance from, guess who? Yes, Republicans, who oh. suspected an attempt to smear conservatives. So they resist based on assumptions and suspicions, and they don't care anything about the real intent. So big surprise, the group that yeah. regularly supports child rape organizations finds no moral quandary with supporting the continuing of domestic terrorism as long as they're all right-wing Christians. Well, that's like when they said, fucking Obama and the IRS are attacking church groups. Yeah. It's like, fucking no. assholes. They're finally trying to enforce tax codes that are being overlooked. I, 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 I can't wait. I, I I guess I could probably look it up now, but I, I really want to do a study on how many times presidents have attempted to make to to affect real change in this country and had it blocked by Congress so fully and completely and compare that against Obama. And well, and, and, and given the you know, that there's um executive orders they can write, you know, without the approval of Congress. He's Obama has still written hundreds less yeah. than George Bush did with full support from the Congress almost. I, I mean, I, well, it's I, fucking ridiculous. I had listened to his talk on that uh at Mark Marin's podcast. Yeah, which I want to check that and, out. And I still haven't listened to that either. He he makes one comment on there that kind of goes along with what we're talking right here, where he's he's basically talking about the impact. He's like, everybody wants to see an impact now. Like everybody wants to see change now and hope they want to see it now. Mm-hmm. He goes, but if I've been able to, for an example, if you're on a cruise ship and you're sitting in Europe and you're headed towards the U.S., if I'm able to to change that cruise ship two right. degrees, yep. I'll end up at the final destination will be completely different than if you kept in the yes. same path. Right. He goes, now, if I can't go 50 degrees, right. we're, we're just going to miss the point. Go, that's, that's too much. But he goes, if I'm able to make that two-degree change yeah. down the line – it will improve greatly. It's exactly like it's, right. It's, it's making that small change now for a greater change uh, exactly later. Exactly right. I, well, I, yeah, that's and, perfect. And, and, and all I, change, I, all change is, uh, all change is built upon prior changes. Right? Yes. So, so any small change, eventually, it's a snowball effect. Yeah. And I, can, you, I can't wait until. But everybody wants that change now. Right. It's like it's not going to yes. fucking happen. It's right. not going to happen that but way. Sorry. I can't wait for you know twenty thirty when. Everyone wants to go back into the backlogs of the Godless Revolution podcast, and they hear us talking about during the time when nobody thought it was possible how Obama is probably going to be one of the best presidents of all time because Absolutely. because of all of the resistance. Now, look, I don't agree with everything he's done. He's no. not a perfect guy. No you know, one is right, and there's, would- and there's some things I flatly disagree with. However, I think that no other president has ever faced the amount of resistance and the amount of overt racism and bullshit that Obama's faced and handled it half as well. And I think that's going to be, I really hope that's going to be his legacy because, yeah. because I think, I think I he, do too. Absolutely. He's, he's been amazing in the, in those. And, and I would like, I would like to contrast that with our views on shit like, like what's happening with the Catholic church and the Pope. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, right. We, yes. Because we do complain about, 
the Catholic Church and the shit that the Pope says and everybody thinking he's Pope Fluffy and wonderful and blah, 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 when he makes these small, minor, incremental steps and, and may say something that is later walked back or whatever, the difference between the Pope and what President Obama does is that President Obama doesn't have complete fucking authority over his church yeah. and doesn't over claim, the or over the country and right? doesn't claim to be the perfect vicar of Christ on right. earth. Right. And that's the big yeah. fucking difference. So before we get any fucking email or comments or anything from anybody saying that we're inconsistent on this point, I want to say President Obama is not the be-all, end-all authority of power in the United States. He right. still has to work with Congress. He still has to work with all of these other lawmakers who shut him down all the time. The Pope, that's a different fucking story. Mm -hmm. He's the head. He's hes the yeah. vicar of Christ here on earth for the Catholic Church. If he wanted to make these sweeping changes, he could do so on a fucking heartbeat. Yep, and has done nothing. Right. And yeah. he can honestly think, tell these yeah, people like great, keep telling them the backstep. So like, don't, no, I'm don't, not gonna backstep. So I don't want to get any fucking messages that we're inconsistent on this point because we're not. Yep. Yep. Great point. These are two totally different things we're talking about. Yep. Yep. We were just talking pre podcast about another show that is very <laughs> inconsistent in their views on different <laughs> things, and I wanted to make that sure. distinction because I have railed well, all three of us have railed yeah. against shit that the Pope has said. Yep, and I and, will and forever. everybody being so willing to adopt you know, hit some little bit of fucking breadcrumb that he throws out as being, you know, manna oh. from heaven. And this is, this is a great sweeping change and it's so wonderful. No, right. fuck that. He could make great sweeping changes and yep. he does not. In a heartbeat. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm, uh, by the way, I don't care how many times you message me. I'm never going to change that opinion until it's proven wrong. Just because you disagree with it doesn't mean that I'm going to change my opinion because the fact is, being a Disney atheist and being soft on religious people is only exacerbating the problem. Yep. Right. The, the, the thing is they're gaining ground. They're, they're gaining momentum. They're getting worse and worse and worse. This, this new GOP candidacy that we've seen this year may well be the very most outwardly and expressive religious group oh, yeah. we have ever seen in the United States that's running for public office and and if they're not the most overtly religious, they're certainly the most dangerously religious. You know, the beautiful part of it is that they are talking themselves into extinction. Oh yeah. And and that's fine. And I'm not going to shut the fuck up until they are extinct. Right. Absolutely. I, so I, send me your stuff. That's fine. But you better have a damn good case I, to I make. just had an awesome <laughs> idea for a show. What's that? I say me and Matt grab our sleeping bags. We bring them over here. Because we ain't going to be able to drive home after this show. <laughs> we do a podcast while watching... The Republican National Convention. Oh, shit. And every time they say God, we drink. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't want to go to the hospital. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind getting behind a mic and just doing like a, like a godless revolution interrupts the debates. I would love I, that. I, just I, as, I think as they're talking, we can pause the DVR and be like, what the fuck I, was fuck that? Yeah, I, I, I think we will oh, have to do that. I think we'll have to do that. I'm, I'm so excited about the Republican Party primary we're gonna, debates. We're going to have to do that a Republican, the Godless Revolution versus the Republican National Republican yes, debate. Yes. Party. I, I would, I would fucking love that. Yeah, it would be awesome. And in honor of all the new super religious GOP candidates for this year, we are going to start a new segment on the show called the Mashup Roundtable. Yay! Uh, this week, we will be making Republicans even more religious. How is that even possible? <laughs> Holy fuckers. <laughs> Holy fucking vickers. <laughs> 
Um, examples might be Christ Christie or Rand Paul of Tarsus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll start with my first submission, which is Rick Santa Rumspringer. <laughs> it's just a break in case you're Bible curious. Uh, <laughs> what about the Gospel of Marco Rubio? Oh, oh. That would be an interesting one. What about uh, Carly Fiorina or Carly Fiorinoa's Ark? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How would she fit all those animals? <laughs> she's probably pretty loose. She's she's not very good with GPS. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. He'll never get there. What about John McCain and Abel? Sarah Alapalin. Sarah Alapalin. Sarah Alapalin. Oh, peace be upon her. <laughs> uh uh, Rick Santora. Rick Santora. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm sure he would love being compared to the Jews. <laughs> what about, uh, Mitt Ramadani? Magic underwear to go with your magic carpet. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think his holiday's coming up soon. Isn't Ramadan <laughs> yes, pretty soon? It's pretty soon. Yeah. Scott Wakoran. Oh, w- Scott Wakoran. That's Scott Wakoran. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, how about, uh, Bobby Jin Dalai Lama? <laughs> nice. <laughs> he's from that part of the world, isn't he? <laughs> I no, think he's so. white. I think he is. Oh, yes, oh, he de- is. It depends, yeah. yeah. Are you Which picture they the, use? Are you looking at the governor's <laughs> painting mural or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> what about transubstant Sean Hannity? Substantiation Hannity. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, when, when BS coming out of your mouth isn't enough. <laughs> I have it going back into it. <laughs> Herman Canaanite. Mm. He's extinct, right? Ooh, that yeah. that Herman Cain. That's that's good you, because the Canaanites are the black people, right? Yeah. No, those are the Hamites. Oh. Those are the Ken Hamites. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about uh, Sarah Pale Inquisition? Ooh, that's a good one. I have another one too. Sarah Pale Indigenous American Genocide. <laughs> I just thought of one for Ken Ham, but I'm trying to think of how it would work. I was thinking, uh, it's, it's, it's gone. Ken- <laughs> I was thinking Ken Hamminal. Ken Hamminal? Two by two on Ken the ark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about, uh, Ted Crusades? Ooh. Yes, that would definitely make him more Christian. We should add in has in there. Ted has <laughs> Ted Cruz has AIDS. <laughs> nice. That doesn't Prop- make him more religious, really. Well, it, it just- does because he's not using contraception. Oh, oh right, right, right. It would make him. It, I mean, that would betray his uh, Catholic. Uh, you beliefs. know who else doesn't use contraception? John McCainal with the Ultra Boys. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> nice. Neither does Mike Huckabee Beelzebub. <laughs> I. Uh, and finally, Tedophile Crucifixion. Oh, what what about uh uh Jed Jed Burning Bush? Oh, Jeb Burning Bush, yes, yes. that's a good one too. Yes. Classic. <laughs> all right. Those well, were all excellent. It's 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 about time to wrap her up for the night though, boys. Yep. And we will be that's adding what she the said. mashup round table to <laughs> the regular show. As long as she's not Catholic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she can't wrap her up. True, true enough. <laughs> or him up. Or him up. It, uh, him? 
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You can send us your question, comments, rants, whines, complaints at godlessrevolution at gmail.com. Tweet us at TGR Podcast on the Twitters. And you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash godlessrevolution. And also don't forget to check out Russell Glasser at the Nonprofits and on the Atheist Experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to this on your iPod, be sure that you rate the show so that everybody else can know what you think about the show. Let us know what you think about the show. And if you're listening to us on Stitcher, please rate us there as well because our rating on Stitcher is abysmal. Is it? Have it, has anybody rated us or just nobody has rated us? Yeah, no, no. Nobody likes rating. God damn it. Get out there and rate the motherfucking show, people. We'll say your name on the air if you put it in a comment. <laughs> yeah. And we Ooh. will uh, chat at y'all next week. Cause I got